Good evening, and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I am Parker Shane, and it is my privilege to bring be your announcer during the Sletton season. Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver this evening's message. Assisting in the worship service is the organist, Mrs. Susan Sinager, and the acolytes are Kai Brown and Drew Creed. Tonight's radio broadcast is being sponsored by the funds donated to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church and dedicated to the glory of God. The order of worship will follow the service of prayer and preaching on page 260 of the Lutheran Service Book. May God bless us as we worship together. Make sure my mic's on. And mine is anyway. There it goes. All right. Uh, good to see you all again here on our Lent midweek service. Again, we are following the service of prayer and preaching on page 260, so you want to have that open in your hymnal. And a little bit later, we are going to be reciting out of the Catechism the explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. That's on page uh, 322, so you want to put a ribbon um, in page 322, because we will be reciting that together a little bit later on in the service. And I do not have any opening announcements, so let's go ahead and begin our worship tonight with the hymn, Go to Dark Gethsemane. That's number 436, 436, Go to Dark Gethsemane. The opening hymn is Go to Dark Gethsemane on page 436.
Please rise. We continue with the opening versicles on page 260. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Jesus said, If any man would come after me, Christ was wounded for our transgressions. From the rising of the sun to its setting. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Please be seated. Special music is by the Trinity Choir.
beautiful choir, just beautiful. Thank you. Our reading from Holy Scripture this evening is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. This is the word of our Lord. We now say together Lent Responsory number two. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. And so now please flip to page 322, and we will recite together the explanation to the third article. I'm sorry, to the... Uh, first article of the Apostles' Creed, the, the explanation to the first article of the Apostles' Creed, page 322. I believe that God has made me in all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this evening from God our Father, through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you all pray with me, please. Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Christians, we are all about Jesus, right? After all, the very name Christian has the name Christ in it. We bear Christ's name when we call ourselves Christians. And isn't the answer to every Sunday school question, Jesus? In all honesty, there is a lot of truth in that, but sometimes we in the church speak about Christ and the redemption that he won for us in a way that gives the impression 
that this world really does not matter much to us. We are all about getting our souls off of this earth and into an immaterial heaven, a place where we supposedly walk on the clouds. After all, that's what salvation is all about too, right? But let's think about the perceptions that that creates. An atheist left a post on a Facebook page in which she concluded that the difference between atheists and Christians is this. Atheists are concerned about this world. Christians are only concerned about the world to come. This is a common perception among not only the general public, but I would suspect among Christians themselves. But if atheists have a view of reality by considering this life as all that there is, Christians at many times may have a view that regards the spiritual or the immaterial life as the only thing that matters. And when we do this, we diminish the redemption that Christ accomplished for us, and we deprive ourselves of the riches of that redemption. And so with that in mind, tonight we are going to explore that foundational statement upon which our faith and life rests. A foundation that shapes the entire story of Christ and his work. A theme that informs the nature of our redemption. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Or to put it in the words of Martin Luther, I believe that God has made me and all creatures. When we consider these statements, two things should stand out. First, this is not only a statement that God made everything in the distant past and now it is all unfolding. While this is true, it does not mean that this is all that there is to God's creative work. And secondly, it also means that God is active in our world today. Active in my life today. God gave me life and continues to give me life every day. So let's first consider this statement that God is the maker of heaven and earth. This is nothing less than to say that God has created, well, everything that exists. In the church, we understand this to mean that God created everything out of nothing. It is a way for us to acknowledge that God needed nothing, does not depend on anyone or anything to make creation. He created because he chose to. He created because he chose to create. He created as an act of love. Let's think of it in this way. From eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit lived in mutual love with each other. At some point, out of their mutual love for one another, they made the decision to share that love with that which was not God. They made room in their lives for that which was not God. They created a universe. Now let's think about this. This is the very first thing that God does outside of himself. He creates. And he makes room in his life for that creation and all of his creatures. So this statement is foundational of everything that we believe, teach, and confess. Because you see, without creation, we would not be here talking and listening about Jesus. There wouldn't be any sin. 
There would be no redemption. There wouldn't be any us. And what did God create? A magnificent world of mountains and oceans, cardinals, hummingbirds, stars, and planets. So what does the art of living by faith mean? It means that with faith, God has given us eyes to see. It means learning to see the world as God sees it, namely through his works of creation and redemption. And so how does this work? First, it means that we need to learn how to distinguish between God's good work and sin's corruption of it. This physical world, our bodies, all other creatures, are the result of God's outpouring and overflowing love. They are the expressions of God's love. And that means that it is good. Creation was just as God intended it to be. It was beautiful. Everything functioned the way God intended it to be. The sun and the moon were governing day and night. Planets were sprouting from, I'm sorry, plants were sprouting from the earth. Everything functioned harmoniously. Now this is important. This is not an easy task. For when we look out at the world, it would seem to be much easier to acknowledge that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It would seem much easier to say that the world out there is bad. Doesn't the Bible talk that way? As a matter of fact, it does. We are in the world, but not of the world. And Luther warns against the dangers then posed by the devil, the world, and our flesh. But in each of these cares, we are not talking about the physical world. We are not talking about the stars or trees or animals or mountains or oceans. We are talking about humans' misuse of creation. Lost my place. Oh, there it is. We are talking about human sin. We are talking about human evil. And that applies to how we treat people, too. We may look at people and then we attach labels. They are gay. They are sociopaths. They are Democrats. They are Republicans, and so on. But they are also God's creatures. Even though we are sinners, we are God's creatures. We are God's handiwork. Creatures whom God loves and redeems. Why is it important then to distinguish God's good, create, uh, God's good creation from its corruption? It is not just because God created it. It is also because this creation then becomes that which is redeemed. Because God created it, he declared it to be very good. Because it is of value to him. He chooses to redeem it. He chooses to cleanse it. And he chooses to restore it. Even more, Jesus assumed a human body without sin. By becoming a man, by becoming a human creature, Jesus affirms the goodness of creation. God did not destroy his material creation. Instead, he took it upon himself. And this leads to our second point about the art of living by faith. For Christ's resurrection points the way. It means that when we see this world, we also stop to imagine 
that if it is this beautiful and wondrous, even when marred by human sin, what will it be like when Jesus returns and, make all things, and makes all things new again? For here we have the Creator, the one through whom all things were made. He now undertakes the task of renewing and re recreating His world. We gain hints of what it will be like from this world in which we now live. The beauty that you see around you is merely a sneak peek at the beauty that is to come. Again, this is not easy to do, because sin and corruption are so intertwined with our world that it seems that escape from one is necessarily escape from the other. To put it another way, it is this material world, it is my aging body, it is my sick and frail body that causes all of my pain and suffering. We might pray to God to free us from this body. God, free me from this physical world and take me to the spiritual world. But instead, our prayer should be this. It should not be deliver me from this body, but deliver my body from the sin that racks and destroys it. So what we see take place then in the body of Jesus will be what takes place with our bodies and then by extension the wider creation. Consider this. Did Jesus rise with the same body that he had before? Yes, he did. But now glorified. We too will rise on the last day with the same bodies that we have, but they will be transformed and glorified. What happened with Jesus will happen with us, and will happen also to the entire creation. The next time that you attend a funeral or a memorial service, listen for those words, those words from Scripture, that our bodies will be transformed into a glorious body just like that of Christ. What happened with Jesus will happen with us, will also happen to the entire creation. This earth will pass away and a new earth will come forth. But remember, it is a new earth. This is why the prophets like Isaiah described the new heaven, the new heavens in sorry, the new heaven in terms of Eden. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 55. He says, "For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands." And also from chapter 65 of Isaiah, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. So when you wonder what heaven will be like, all that you need to do really is just look around. The beauty that you see, it's going to be even better. And the problems that you see, the sadness, the conflict, it will all be gone. As Isaiah writes in chapter 11, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. In case you aren't seeing where I am going with this, that's not going to happen today. The, the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall lead straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. 
that shall not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. This is what the new heaven will look like. In the meantime, as we live between God's first creation and the new creation, let us consider this, that God does not stop creating. He did not stop creating after the sixth day, and he does not stop now. God keeps on creating to this very day. The art of living by faith begins by grasping the work of God in, with, and under his creation. Even though God is not to be identified with creation, and creation is not to be identified with the creator, that does not mean that God stands aloof from his creation, as if he were just an absentee landlord. Nor does God deal with his creation from a distance while assigning the task of looking after his creation to a management company. On the contrary, God is very hands-on. God is one who is deeply involved in his creation. So what does that mean for us? Now, he no longer creates out of nothing. He creates instead through his creatures. In a sense, we can say that God not only made room in his life for us and his creation, but we can say that he makes room for our activity and our contributions within his creation. Secondly, in dealing with God, in, with, and under his creation, we are also dealing with his creatures, to whom God has given some freedom. Now, there was a risk here. The risk being that God's creatures, well, they might not carry out his will. They might not be good instruments in his hand. But note how already in Genesis chapter 1, God invites creatures to be his partners and helpers. He tells the earth to sprout forth vegetation. But where does the dandelion seed or the milkweed seed land as it is blown this way and that by the summer breeze? He blesses the animals to be fruitful and multiply. They choose mates and they choose where to live. And he gave us the special task of looking after his creation so that all life would flourish upon it just as he envisioned it would. We encounter his creating work through his creatures. Luther calls them God's masks. We might call them the gloves on God's hands. Let the earth sprout forth, be fruitful and multiply. It's all an act of creation. Luther would see a Carolina wren blasting out a song on a sub-zero winter morning and say, God not only preserved that bird through the frozen night, but God gave that bird life today. And what is perhaps all the more remarkable is the way in which God continues to partner with and work through his, cre his creatures in spite of sin, in spite of death, that we see everywhere around us. In the 1530s, Luther suggested the following way as a practice of cultivating the eyes of faith. He pointed out that when you see a cow in the field, you should imagine that cow saying, Rejoice and be glad. I bring you milk and butter from God. Similarly, when you see chickens in the hen house, you should imagine them saying, Rejoice and be glad. We bring you eggs from God. And when you see pigs in the pigsty, you should imagine them saying, Rejoice, we bring you brats and bacon from God. 
And so what is it that we owe God? Thanks and praise. This is not because we need to feed God's ego. On the contrary, when we thank God for our life and all that supports our life, we acknowledge our dependence upon Him and our desire to continue in that relationship of dependence. In the name of Jesus, amen. We sing our next song, number 430, My Song is Love Unknown. We will sing verses 1 through 4 and verse 7. That's number 430, My Song is Love Unknown. We will sing verses 1 through 4 and verse 7. this time we will collect our tithes and offerings. Now would be a good time to fill out that 
attendance booklet that is in your pew. Uh, guess if you would please, please fill that out and uh, put your telephone number there if you would like. We might be able to get into contact with you. And members, please fill uh, your name in those lines as well. The Lutheran Hour is our church's witness in the public marketplace. To learn more about the Inspirational Lutheran Hour ministry, visit www.lutheranhour.org. Listen to the Lutheran Hour program each Sunday on a station near you. Trinity offers a children's Sunday school and adult Bible studies at 8.45 a.m. each Sunday morning in the cafeteria and fellowship hall of the school. A men's Bible study meets each Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m. in the chapel. Additional study groups include Ladies Tuesday Evening Bible Study at 7 p.m. at the home of Tony Oberman. Ladies Afternoon Bible Study meets the first and third Mondays at 1 p.m. For more information regarding the Bible study groups, contact the church office at 417 435-7300. We now rejoin the congregation in prayer. Please rise for prayer. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. For the Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. <clears throat> for this nation, for our cities and communities, for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for seasonable weather, and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for all those that we know, Lord, that are suffering, whether that suffering be physically, spiritually, or emotionally. For all of those, Lord, that we know that do not yet know you as their Lord and Savior. All of those folks that we name before you in our hearts now.
Let us pray to the Lord. Finally, for these and for all of our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Holy God, our lives are laid open before you. Rescue us from the chaos of sin and to the death of your Son. Bring us healing and make us whole in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that the patience and comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray together Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Please be seated. We sing our closing hymn, O God, our help in ages past. That's number 733. O oh God, our help in ages past, number 733.
It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with the members of Trinity next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on KKBL FM 95.9 Aurora, Missouri or www.frystatradio.com where, where you can listen to a live stream or a podcast of a prior service. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Parker Shane and we now conclude this broadcast.